You're listening to Q Marriage Mentors with Jeff Lutz, a podcast featuring conversations with remarkable lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender couples. What makes great relationships work? Jeff will ask the questions. You'll hear the answers. Together, we'll learn. You know, couples that choose to create open or polyamorous relationships are often misunderstood and judged by others. Some of the most common myths about these relationships are that the partners are no longer attracted to each other, or that they must have problems with intimacy and commitment, that they don't know what they want, or they must be sex addicts. In this episode, Adam Marr, a sex-positive therapist, and Michonne Fontenot, a radiographer in the medical field, give us a refreshingly honest look at what it takes to create a non-monogamous relationship that really works. But first, they talk about how they met. Adam started the conversation. So we met at a birthday party with two friends, and one of them knew Michonne, and so he got invited. That was the only person he knew at this party. So he shows up for like the dinner and, you know, he's more introverted. So he wasn't really talking to people. And I was like, I'm moving in on this. <laughs> so I had like a tiara and like a sash that said sweet 16. And I was like, hi. Yeah. It's important to know that when I left the house, I looked really, really good. But when I showed up to the restaurants, I looked worse than I've ever looked in my entire life because humidity had run its game on me. And when I saw a picture from that night, it's like, why did anybody talk to me? <laughs> you were mortified. It was so bad. And it was bad. Really, what's funny is like our so our like first like official date, I invited him over to come sing karaoke at my house because I would do this with like my roommate. <laughs> and Michonne thought it was gonna be like a karaoke party. So he like shows up like 15 minutes late with like cheese to feed a party. And after like <laughs> three songs of me singing, you were like, where's everybody else? <laughs> I think you literally invited me to a karaoke party. I think in his head, it was just a party. is just playing karaoke no matter how few people are there. And yeah, I tried to bring crackers and cheese and be like a good guest. And I was very, very confused as to why we were the only two people. <laughs> it was, yeah. You still made out with me. So. I did, yeah, I did. <laughs> how long was it before the second date? Oh, I mean, how long? It was pretty quick. I know on our third day, you bought me a microphone stand. Oh, yeah, because he liked karaoke. And I was like, oh, okay. In the house. This one, uh, this one might be someone to keep around. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, after the first real hanging out dates, we pretty regularly hung out after that. Yeah, so, it was easy. Yeah. So, they say the best gift giving is partner-specific. You know, most people just give flowers or chocolates or whatever. So you pretty quickly said, he needs a mic stand. True. I. That's funny that you mentioned that. I thought that would, um, I don't know, be a thoughtful gift. But really, he's into flowers and all that stuff. But uh, that's in, nothing I would ever buy for a person. I would, I would say I'm into me. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. But yeah, I went with mic stand from Radio Shack. Our coming out experiences were really different. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So mine's was tough. Uh, Believe it or not, I was like super hardcore in the God Squad. Yay, Jesus. Uh, It was a safe place to hide as someone who didn't know how to handle their sexuality. So I could like follow some rules and be good and be appreciated. 
Um, so when I finally like said that I was gay, which was when I was 16, I came out in my youth group and they like laid hands on me and like prayed, tried to pray my gay away. Tried to heal you. Yeah. Um, which Gross. spoiler alert did not take, right. yes. <laughs> but it, it led to a breaking point for me where I, I started the journey of self-acceptance and coming out. Um, and so for me, mine has been tricky because I've had people who have been really supportive and great. And then I had people who didn't know what to do with me, but wanted to be supportive. And then I had a lot of folks who just said, oh, that's, that's too far. Um, and, that, and so I've had a lot of loss through that. But yours was different than that. Oh, yeah. I, in the fourth grade, I realized that there were a couple of guys in class that I really, really wanted to be friends with, but I thought in my own head it was just because they were really cool. So I understood like real, like sex and connection and all that, but I didn't realize it could happen between same sex people. So I just assumed that this really strong feeling toward these three people was just me wanting to be friends with them and be connected to that group. There were three guys that you were really attracted to. Yeah. And I mean, we were already friends. So I, I didn't understand like, why do I want to be friends with them so bad if we're already friends and I spend the night at their house. And, um, but it really had to do with their looks. I mean, specifically, uh, <laughs> and bringing it. Yeah. And it was like, fourth graders. it was like a year or two before I realized what that was. I was like, Oh, I don't necessarily think they're cool. I just want to touch them. Um, and bizarrely, even though I grew up in an incredibly small town, like a thousand people, nobody seemed to care. Like by the time I was in high school and sort of connecting with other... Can I interject here? Sure. Michelle had like the porn fantasy high school experience with guys. You had like... Oh yeah. I <laughs> hooked up with the captain of the basketball team and then randomly the school uh, attached me to star quarterback for um like tutoring and chemistry and then he became obsessed with me and then that we was so st- thoughtful of that yeah, yeah and then we what started school my high school up. experience is like praying to jesus to make me straight and you're all like and i'm like i'm gonna date this star quarterback <laughs> Fuck it. yeah it was interesting but nobody seemed to really care nobody i mean if people talked about me i never heard about it and I don't know if that's possible in a small town. Like, word gets back, always. Like, your best friend will tell you, everybody's calling you a faggot or whatever. You know, like, eventually you'll hear it. But I never, nobody seemed to talk about me like that. And nobody seemed to care if I was too close with a guy or if I was dating a girl at the time. Or I just kind of bounced back and forth. You also kind of transcend gender. Yeah, some, yeah, maybe so. In some ways. I think you have, like, a level of okayness with yourself and cuteness. That you're just like, I just exist. And then people are into that, like, level of self-confidence. Yeah. The self-confidence is what draws people in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So luckily I didn't have that uh, textbook tale of misery in a small town. And what it's, small town was it? Where did you grow up? It's called Kinder. It's in southwest Louisiana. Um, and it's, you know, it's wonderful in a lot of ways, but it's also terrible in a lot of small town Louisiana ways. But it could have been much worse. I mean, there are there were people in my town who were the obvious... Uh, gay boy or they were effeminate at the very least and they probably had really tough lives but for some reason I wasn't subjected to that which is lucky for me okay and Adam how about you where did you grow up (laughs) it's very exciting colonial Williamsburg Virginia people reenact a day in the life of 1776 (laughs) so it was bizarre as a tourist town and we had William and Mary um so I remember like being in high school 
at on the campus for some event and they had a drag ball happening and like wandering into that and being like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> like, like little closet of me could not handle it. I was shook. <laughs> you were shook. So you're both young men, but tell me the youngest. Yes. The youngest. <laughs> After you came out and before the two of you met, tell me a little bit about your uh, continuing coming out experience. Were there other relationships that were serious or was it kind of more casual before you guys met? So I, because I was so into like the God Squad, like I didn't even have a kiss with a dude until I was like 22. So it was a long time knowing that I'm kind of like a sex positive broad nowadays. From 16 to 22, you really didn't have anybody that you could experiment with. Or... Yeah. I mean, I had people I could experiment with. I just wasn't able, ready to offend me. Okay. It was too scary. Um, so when I came out, I came out hard. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to try a lot of things and experience and try to figure out like this. Um, and so like my first experience was a hookup. So like I was living in Columbus, Ohio in a Christian guy's house <laughs> and there was a website called out in Ohio. And I found like some, uh, frat boy on there and we like, he came over to watch a movie. We told my like housemates that like I worked with this person and whenever we went to sleep, we like fooled around <laughs> and I was all like, yes, I'm finally a woman. <laughs> I can claim this. Uh, so I, I had to do a lot of experimenting and right before I met Michon, I had had my, my, my first serious relationship, which was pretty high school. <laughs> So I met this person online through D-List back in the day before Grindr. And we hit it off. We started dating long distance. And then he moved to Austin and things fell apart. Because we were not ready to be in any sort of relationship. Uh, so after that relationship ended, I was like, I'm just going to like be free and date a little bit around. And just kind of be more open. I didn't, I, I'm a two-man job at minimum, Jeff. <laughs> Um, you, you need a whole crew. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Um, <laughs> poor Michelle. And so when we met, I mean, I was very honest with him that I had like two frisky friends at the time. And I think that was really different for you. Yeah, for sure. But it all boiled down to in my head that I, was, I appreciate honesty. Cause that, yeah, was, it was like hitting a wall. Cause normally in the past I would just move on. Cause that doesn't sound very serious. Right. It's like, okay, well, I don't want to get involved with that. But at the time, I was like, well, if he's at least willing to admit the truth, which is something I hadn't experienced a whole lot of, <laughs> then maybe it was worth it. You had had guys lie to you before? Sure, yeah. I mean, who hasn't? <laughs> <laughs> who hasn't been connected to some asshole? <laughs> I think that's the name of this podcast. <laughs> Men are terrible. <laughs> Dot com. Yeah. Yes, for sure. So what about you? Say a little bit more about... Um, so aside from the random string of pseudo relationships in high school and connecting with both boys and girls, I went off to college and the first real, I guess, relationship I had was completely unexpected because it was with a... Um, a Leo. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he was not. Yeah, uh, he was basically a drag queen drug dealer. Oh, yeah. yeah, I lived in a house full of drug dealers, and they were all drag queens. And, 
What's yeah. funny to me about this, because I know you, is you're so straight edge and yeah. not into any of that stuff. And I wasn't at the time either. Like, I existed in their environment, but didn't partake in any of the weird things they did. Like, I'm just not a person who's that into coke or ecstasy. I learned a lot of terrible things, and then I bounced back and forth between the occasional relationship from, with guys or girls, and finally moved to Austin, and yeah, I had a couple of relationships. One of them was incredibly terrible was total sociopath. Uh, so lots of lying and then there was no lying, but it was just replaced with cruelty. And yeah. So, I mean, I had a lot of experiences before I met Adam and yeah. So I'm going to give like a, what's up to listeners out there. Date someone after they dated someone really terrible because you will look amazing. <laughs> it's, yeah, that, that might have come into effect. Yeah, that might have been in play. So, you're like, bare minimum of respect, and they're like, You're the best person I've ever met. Was that part of your early dating questions? <laughs> <laughs> have you dated someone yeah. evil? Have you dated someone really terrible? Yeah, no, I, did not, I did not think I was going to be in a relationship. I wasn't looking to be in a relationship when I met Michelle. So, you meet in the restaurant and then. You invite him back for this huge karaoke party that turns out to be three people. Uh Um, And then you go on a second date. Tell me, how did you know and when did you know this is something I really want to lean into and try to make work? I I think for me, like, Mashaan really saw me, which is something I had longed for. He saw you. Yeah. Right, like giving me a microphone stand, letting me be me. Like, appreciating that, like, in that moment when we had that date, like, I sang three songs. And I was like, do you want to sing? And he's like, no. And he was okay with letting me keep singing. So he wasn't like, this is really weird. Let me get the hell out of here. You're right. I didn't think for one second, oh, God. Man, this guy loves listening to himself. Like, none of that ever crossed my mind. I was like, well, if you like to sing, go ahead. And I will just chill out here because I'm not going to grab that microphone. So so that really spoke to you that he did that. I mean, that's something I longed for right like i come out to, to people in the church which was like the only had a really chaotic family life so it was like the place that i felt secure and safe and for them to reject me and then to have you know here's a person who sees me fully that i'm having frisky friends that i will be the diva on stage in her own house for 30 minutes and still show up and appreciate that was was enough for me to go like okay dude i'll, I'll give you a try we're not going to call it dating. It took me like a month to call it dating. Yeah, it's true. And we just, I don't know. I was like, I really like hanging out with him. So I'm just going to keep hanging out with him. And I don't even know at what point. It, I mean, I know there was a certain point in which we said, okay, this is exclusive. We're mm-hmm. official. That took about a month. Um, but up until then, I didn't know it was going to turn into that. I was just... You know, sounds like it was a little more gradual for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. And then, so tell me a little bit more about your 10 years together. (laughs) Um, Well, because I'm only 26. Just kidding. Why? Uh, Why? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I thought he was honest. He's He's honest about everything except his age. Okay, let's just get that up front. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Most people. (laughs) This is something I teach people in therapy because I've experienced it. That when you come together and love someone, you know, that 
security and love you give them encourages them to grow as individuals. And then that individual growth challenges the relationship that allowed it to grow. And so we had to, to really look at who we were and grow. Uh, so from my perspective, uh, like I realized that I'm genderqueer since we've been together and we had to make room and space for that. I realized I have some kinks that are really important to me. And that took some like space and time to navigate to, to say, cool, how do we make room for that? Um, and still be connected. So from my perspective, it's been a lot of allowing each other to have the changes in growth. It's not like we got together 10 years ago and we're like, all right, you can't ever change. <laughs> so and created space that allowed for change and the relationship to be different today than it was five years ago or seven years or 10 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Summed it up. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> well, say more about the, um, that, that sounds like something that makes your relationship kind of different or unique, that there's a space for uh, gender mm -hmm. exploration and kink. And tell me a little bit more about that. True. Um, I think that we, in the first four and a half or five years, I think we got to a point where we knew each other well enough um, and appreciated each other enough that we could, uh, be more relaxed and open-minded to other things. Uh, there were very specific kinks that he was into that I had tried, but just wasn't into. And we did it numerous times and I just was finally at a point where I was, I just felt like, yeah, it's just not something I wanted. Like I don't get anything out of it, so I don't want to do it. So we created space for him to find people to do that. And then after a few months of that, I was like, well, then maybe I will kind of look around and see what I'm into. I still don't know what I'm into because I don't really spend much time thinking about me. Um, but yeah, that led in a completely different direction, which was also nice. Yeah. And I think in some ways in opening up, it helped us be closer. So like, yeah, for sure. Like last year, we were both dating people at the same time, two different people. Uh, so I think those relationships helped us appreciate each other more. Not that those, those people are wonderful, right. um, but there were times where I was all like, oh, this is what I'm like sometimes. Because the person I was dating can be like sometimes uh, a little self-centered because <laughs> yeah. they're younger. I was like, oh, is this what you see of me sometimes? Oh, I'm so sorry. It's an ugly color on me. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think for you, you were dating someone who sometimes would struggle to connect to emotional. Yes. Uh, they were in an emotional way, were incredibly stunted, stunted and sort of needy and, uh, and to an extreme point. And I was like, Oh, okay. So the, the milliseconds that I felt that about Adam were nothing compared to what it could be. <laughs> um, so that was nice. Yeah. We had spent so long getting to know each other before we opened up that there were a lot of things we were just very comfortable with and, uh, had learned to accept in each other. And then in branching out, those things presented themselves like tenfold uh, with other people. And then we're like, Oh, this is the best version. It's actually helped you appreciate each other. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And you know, I, I think there's sometimes this bad rap for folks who are more than monogamous that like the people they might date, they're somehow less than, and we really strive to treat people like people with respect. And like, if you're, if we're going to share our lives with you, we want you to like feel respected and a part of that. True. And so it's not, it's not even in this like sense of, oh, you're nothing. And now I have this person who I really value. 
it's like, cool, we have our connection, which is really great. And part of our connection has shown me how much I really appreciate and value what I do have. So would you describe your relationship in that sense as more polyamorous rather than just open? I mean, some people yeah. just find open as we can have sex, right. but we don't have a connection yeah. with others. Right. So we are more probably relationship anarchist. Relationship meaning, anarchist. Yeah. Meaning we could do anything, right? So we could have hookups. We could, if we wanted to do something that was even anonymous, we could. If we want to date long term, we can. Like my my thing is, we both have experienced enough of people telling us who we ought to be and should be and, and oftentimes shame with them that we don't want to do that for each other. So he's smart, right? He picked me as a partner. <laughs> this dude is smart. Brilliant. So I'm going to trust his judgment and let him experience life. So sometimes I get to be a part of those really exciting, happy, adventurous moments. And sometimes those are just for him. Um, but to me, loving someone is giving people space to have that. And and in the bigger picture, that all pours back into our relationship. So oftentimes, like, Mashan is the dude who lets me go have this really fun adventure. And that, to me, is so meaningful and, and makes our bond stronger. So, you know, there, of course, there are people out there who would want a cowboy, one of us, right? They're like, you're so wonderful and together, and we, I want to date you exclusively. I'm like, you don't know what I have at home. Like, this person's amazing. Yeah. Um, so it's That's not threatened your relationship. It in the beginning, opening up, it did, but we had to work through that. Okay. Um, All the yeah. couples I've ever worked with who are opening up their relationship, they often think it's just a matter of making that decision and then acting on it. And yeah. They don't realize <laughs> that there's a whole slew of conversations that you have to have about right. what your agreements are and sure. really detailed things about what's okay Absolutely. and what's not, and that those have to be revisited every yeah. so often. So we, we try to work with like just the guiding principle of respect. So respect. that means like having a snapshot of each other and being respectful. So like, I'm, I'm going to try not to interrupt Michonne's like day, especially if he's had like a tough day. If, you know, I want to have like someone over or something like that. So I might work around that and be like, Hey dude, I'm going to go meet this person out then. Um, because you know, I want him to feel like he can relax in his own home. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, there's certainly a learning curve when you do that. But in the beginning we had rules. Like there was a list of things that we felt like we might not be comfortable with. So let's not do it. And then as time went on, we realized that maybe rule number eight isn't such a big deal. So let's scrap it. Rule number six and four and two, like, and slowly the rules became less. Uh, but we were already so comfortable with each other. Like we already know what we have. Um, and I feel like we definitely value and respect that. Yeah. And these, these things that we thought would be a problem uh, turned out not to be an issue. Like in the beginning, it was like, you don't need to know them. You don't need to see them more than once. This doesn't need to turn into, oh, we're friends, but we have sex all the time. Um, you know, there were specific rules like that. And then I realized, I don't know if I was the only one that made those rules. You up. were. Yeah. But and <laughs> I realized as time went on that I was like, no, that's just not a big deal to me. Like, it's okay. So things fell off the list and it became, you know, more open. Yeah. Michelle, you mentioned the importance of honesty early sure. on in the podcast. And part of what I think I'm hearing is that it hasn't been too much of an issue because there's so much trust between the two of you. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I know he can't do better than this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the problem when it trust and a little <laughs> slightly elevated ego. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think... I'm a queer in Texas. That's the only way I survive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think the problem with cheating per se is like uh, the violation of trust mm-hmm. and dishonesty. But when you when it's completely honest, um, you know, you tend to trust somebody more. Like when you remove all those things, it's not that the problems don't exist. And right? Do you all adopt sort of a, a I know you're doing stuff and you know I'm doing stuff, but we're not going to share it? Or do you no, all talk about I, it? I, I'm like super proud. Like I'll bring home pictures and be yes. like, girl, I'm doing our family proud. Look yeah. at this. Look at it. Yes. He, yeah, he, he <laughs> loves to talk about it. Yeah. I have occasionally talked about things, and then some things I just we, don't. We had not worth mentioning. We had one incident where we were both hooked up with someone, but neither of us had like talked about it. Oh yeah. And then our friend was like, "Oh, that's my friend so and so," and we were both like, "Oh, we both hooked up with them." So this poor soul had come to our apartment at different times and hooked up with us. So he, yeah, this person <laughs> knew that he was at the same apartment, but just never <laughs> mentioned it to anyone. And wow. I was like, "Oh, okay, whatever." Yeah. I, I guess part of it for me is I look at this as. Oftentimes, being more than monogamous is seen as, you know, what's that going to mean for me as an individual? I'm not going to feel as secure. But I don't, I don't see love ever as, like, a, anything but an additive, right? So, like, if you add more friends to a, a situation, a party, there's just more ways to connect, more ways to have appreciation, more ways to, like, make that something that is really meaningful. How have you avoided jealousy? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, that's what I was saying earlier yeah, he was yeah. a jealous one. I I feel like we spent so long getting to know each other, and I knew what I had in him. And I just didn't worry about it. I didn't think he was going to go anywhere. And if he did, then that's just life. Like, shit happens, and you can't control everything. But I felt confident yeah, that... Those were our wedding vows. Yeah. <laughs> in a way. They got it were. They were so, like, I love you, we, shit happens. We love yeah. you. We love each other. Being with someone's tough, we're going to give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah, I just felt like... But there was a, a sense of felt security, even though you were being sexual with other people, sure. you trusted in your gut that he was going to be there at the end of the day. Yeah. I feel like humans in general are pretty terrible and the likelihood that he's going to find someone out there that's going to be so alluring that he has to ditch me is, it's just not very likely. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm good stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and if he did, then I'd probably be better off without him in that case. So yeah, I just I was never worried about that. I like you take it there, and I'm like, I'm gonna celebrate what our relationship has meant to us, and then move well, on. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> I got you. You going. know, I'm not gonna dwell on. No, you're not gonna like beat yourself up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you know what? I can't control everything, and, and then, I've presented myself in a way that lets him know there's good stuff to stick yeah. around for. I I think for me, I had to ask myself how jealousy is trying to help me, and being a bit of a diva, it was like, oh, I just want you to feel special. So then I was just like, cool, babe, can we have like date night where like, it could be big things, little things. I don't care what it is, but time we make special for our relationship. And so sometimes that's like eating some cheesecake together and watching two episodes of the Golden Girls. Sometimes that's going to a play, right? But it's, it's making time that is meant specifically for us. And I, I think that's one of the 
really great gifts of being more than monogamous. See, now I'm jealous because my <laughs> husband and I watched one episode of the Golden Girls. <laughs> yeah. Now i got to go home and tell him yeah. we got to up our game. we got to bring yeah, two yeah. and call the Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, honestly, I don't think we've ever turned that series on without watching at least seven in a row. Yeah, like, yeah. it's never happened. And you've yeah. seen the same episode 20 times, but it's still funny. 120, we, easy. We knew, like, the last of yes. people in the audience. So not only did we know each episode and what's going to unfold, and we, know, we got to a point where we could quote along with them as they're about to deliver the the big joke of the scene. But we finally moved past that and we knew in which episodes during which joke an audience member would do like a really crazy laugh. So it'd be like, oh, that laugh's coming up. <laughs> I know that's sick. And we definitely... <laughs> but it's a know. shared experience that bonds yeah. you with yeah. connection. We know the laughs of the audience of the yeah. Golden Girls. Guys, we're almost funny. out of time, but tell me if, if a younger couple that's been together a few months or a few years was in conversation about whether or not to open up the relationship. What are the do's and don'ts yeah. that you would put out there for them? I think the the big thing is to communicate. It takes a lot of talking. It takes radical authenticity so to talk about yourself and what you truly want. And then it also takes some vulnerability and sharing like, hey, like this is this is where I'm at and this is what this is what this means to me. So vulnerability me, and radical authenticity mm-hmm. and to know yourself and be okay with yourself that's how i made through jealousy right it's being like look boo, i've just built an idea that i'm wonderful and the idea of you sharing your wonderfulness with someone else has challenged that so now i have to like just readjust that i'm still wonderful yeah communication and honesty figure out how you feel say it out loud and then just be open with things don't be don't keep secrets. It's not necessary. Unless you're into that. Unless it's your well, Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, some people are like a dirty secret girl. <laughs> Guys, yes. it's been a pleasure to spend some time with you in your home. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, Jeff, you're a pleasure. Gosh, you've been in like Austin a very long time. I don't want to like date you. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. Do you know any LGBT couples with interesting stories and wisdom to share on the show? Jeff would love to meet them, so please contact him through the website at qmarriagementors.com. Until next time, thanks for listening, and have a great week.